Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. This week, three different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, and Paradise Hills for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Dave Wah, and uh, I illustrate uh, currently California Inc. and the Space Auditorium uh, and Wolf Punks as well. Some other things I'm working on too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We I see from your Instagram that you're uh, you're you're busy. You're busy. It seems like you're throwing up a new yeah. project you're working on all the time. You know, yeah, it's just it, it, like the the life of a contract artist. You know, you, you kind of just you, you there's you kind of have to take a lot, start a lot of projects, and and sometimes they line up nicely, and some, most of the time they just overlap. Uh, <laughs> but you know, yeah. it's uh, it's it's fun. It's you know, when it when it rains, it pours. <laughs> it's yeah, always man. good. No, it's I always good you. to have uh, more work than none at all, especially if that's the thing that's paying your bills. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so we're gonna Scott. You want to do a quick thing on what we're drinking, um, and then go yeah, from man. there. Are you? Are, yeah. So, Dave, we drink beer on the podcast. If you're drinking water, beer, whatever, feel free, feel free to join if you haven't already. But go ahead, Scott. What are you drinking this week? Um, so this is actually something I got from our buddy Gary Hodges when we were over in Arizona for Phoenix Fan Fusion. He actually gave Keith a four pack of Sirius Black. Um, by Brick and Barrel, and so this is a bourbon barrel uh, stout, obviously. That's yeah. why Gary gifted it to you, but hey, since I was the one that transported it, you said, go ahead and grab a couple. Well, guess what? I'm having one today. So this is uh, 12 yeah. ounces, and well, shoot, I'll have to get back to you on the ABV because I can't find I, it on this bad boy. I think it's a Whopper, buddy. I think it's, I think it's at least 12% if it's a bourbon barrel aged stout. Well then, we're going to have a great time tonight. <laughs> we're we're going to have we're going to have a doubly great time, my man, because this is a beer called VSO Grave Digger, and uh, you can see it's only a twelve ounce can. I really like the colors on the can, by the way, the way it pops with like the blue and the red, and then of course just a ton of gold. You can see too. There's this like badass dude skull guy on horseback, right? <laughs> But um, but this thing is Scott. This is a Scotch ale, aged in bourbon barrels. So, uh, my favorite beer is basically Kentucky bourbon barrel ale, and this is a double strength Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Scott, this is fourteen point three percent at at twelve ounces. And Dave is like, "What the hell have I walked into <laughs> with with these people <laughs> drinking? Like, we're not just drinking beers; we're just going hard in the paint with high gravity tonight." <laughs> i think that's awesome man i think that's right I, you know like i uh i like beer I, I i like i like craft beers too i i unfortunately do not have anything to share next time next time i'll make sure i do but you know next those time, awesome, like fine beverages okay yeah, I well sure. it, i saw a i think i saw on your social media or um dawns or something like that i think it was after the one of the conventions we just did the, uh, the the Vegas one, and you guys were just like hanging out in the room, and I was like, oh, they all don't drink, so that's that's good to know that you. And like, I was gonna tell Keith to remind you, like, oh, or to let you know, um, hey, that hey, we drink a beer on the pod, but I was like, no, I think I don't think Dave drinks, so uh, good to yeah. know. Definitely <laughs> next time. I, you next know, time. I, I drink sometimes, not, not a ton, but yeah, you know, like I, I 
I enjoy I can enjoy a, a nice beer or you know I actually like whiskey a lot that's that's usually the drink yeah. I, I like to choose even so. better even better well yeah. we'll definitely talk some whiskey well I was gonna say Dave that the next time you're on uh, you'll you'll since you do drink you'll need to make up for lost time and drink a, a beer with an AVB of at least 26 <laughs> percent actually oh, geez, okay. I'm not sure that even exists I've always kind of stayed a little bit away from booze or alcohol is, is because I'm one of those few Asians where when I drink I get I get really red and, and this patchy mm. red. So like other people drink and they get cooler and fun and everything. And I, I get, I slur and I get patchy. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> it, it, was, it, it was quick for me to realize, like, I'm not making friends like other people do when they drink. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, is it is it the slurring or the flushing? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Always good with that. Like I'm half Filipino. So like I get a little bit of a, the Asian glow, but not a lot. And like most of my oh, friends yeah. will just get pretty wasted. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's all good either way. Yeah. I never had a problem with it. It's like, yeah, whatever. You having a good time? All right, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what we'll do is, Dave, like, you know, we're we're each gonna go around. So Scott will go first and then I'll go. We're just gonna talk about what we did last week. We're each gonna do one thing. And then from there, once once you talk about what you did last week, Dave, we'll dig deeper into uh into freelancing and your art and all that great stuff that goes with it. So Scott, why don't you set it off? Okay. So uh, the most important thing I did this past week was I was working on paradise Hills again and uh, man, it's flowing. It's really nice. Like there's the first three or four pages that I've been kind of putting off. Like there, was some nice, easy panels initially in those pages. Um, It's a, so it's a story involving a little kid and he's, you know, in the beginning pages, he's drawing with chalk. And I actually had one of my neighbors, a little uh, little girl in the neighborhood, um, she's always drawing on the sidewalk on chalk. And I said, hey, do you mind drawing these things for me on my iPad? And, you know, like the iPad, the Procreate system has many different tools. One of them includes multiple chalks. And I was like, okay, this is the one that lo- looks the most like street chalk. And so she did all of these little character designs that I asked her to do for me. It's like, okay, draw a, a, a kid, draw his parents, draw this, draw that, draw some trees, the sun. And so she did all those things for me. And so I was able to arrange them in the panel. So you actually have some genuine children drawings in the book. And um, beyond that, there was tons of background, like, things that I just, I was trying to visualize and I wasn't getting a good example of what I wanted with the things that I was creating from my mind. But luckily, um, Paradise Hills being a real place where I grew up in, I actually have friends that still live in the area. So I was actually able to hit one of them up and I said, hey, do me a favor, take a picture of your backyard. And and I was like, is your <laughs> is your backyard like, is your house hell, like hella Filipino? And, and she goes, eh, I don't know about hella Filipino. And then so she took photos. I was like, <laughs> Dude, your background is the most your backyard is the most Filipino thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> this is perfect. So um what that means is tons of potted plants everywhere. Um, a lot of clotheslines and just like random <laughs> things about. And I was like, this is a hundred percent what I needed for the backgrounds. She was also taking pictures of the interior of her house as well, because again, living in Paradise Hills, like that specific area, the houses are laid out in in a very specific way. And I was like, yeah, take picture of like stuff around. And she goes, dude, my house isn't Filipino. And then she's like, I don't have the giant wooden spoon and fork on the wall, you know? And then, so she took photos, right? And I was like, dude, you're out of your mind. I was like, you have a picture of the last (laughs) supper right there. I was like, you're good. This is exactly what I needed. So um, I was coaching her through the angles that I needed. Like I sent her 
the roughs of what I had done. And I was like, look, I need these backgrounds roughly in this angle. So if you can try to get that right angle for me, that would be good. And so she was really good about it. She was, she was happy to help. And like, I got some great stuff in there and like, it's translating really well and it's helping me push the project forward and just kind of having that, you know, that photo reference there to really solidify the environment and, and the, you know, the city that they live in, the part of town that they live in. Um, it's moving really well and I'm excited. I think, I think things are going to start to speed up really, really quickly in the next few weeks. And uh, I'm going to be able to knock out a few more pages. Right on. You're, you're, you're doing this whole story and writing it and illustrating it all you, huh? This particular one. Yeah. Um, I had, I, I had thrown, thrown it over to my writer. I, I primarily work with the same writer on all of my projects, but I found the last two projects that I did. I kind of like to get into it first and like, see what I can do on my own. And then I'll hit a point where like, okay, this is the part where I really need a writer. But I think my strong suits lie like just solely on my own are short stories. Um, uh, and this one specifically, this has been 12 pages and I, I did, did it all myself. I, I kind of threw it to him and said, Hey, help me out with this. And, you know, he's, he's a busy guy. He's got kids and stuff like that. So um, it was just, I had done a lot of the cloud, cloud gathering, the composting, um, like putting the story together, like in my mind, just doing the research and stuff. So by the time it came to laying the pages out, I, I had it all. I, I was just like, no, I know exactly what I'm going to do with this. And, you know, and I was doing it and I actually, me and Keith did a creator's retreat a couple months back and I let him read it. And I was like, tell me what you think of this, you know? And he was like, kind of like, give me some of the rules, the basic writing rules. And, um, you know, thankfully he was just like, actually that kind of goes against the writing rules. And I think you pulled it off. And I was like, to me, that was a great compliment. I was like, Oh, right on. Cool. So like the way I laid things out and the way the story was written was, was satisfactory to a writer. And, and that's a great thing to hear. So, so far all me. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. More power to you. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and Scott, that, you know, that little episode just dub doubles down, triples down, you know, a hundred X's down on what we talk about, right? The rules are, they're guidelines. They're helpful. Right. They're they're especially helpful the less you know, the less your experience is, et cetera. But you know, the the old adage, right? You can do anything as long as you can pull it off. And yeah, I believe I, I said something like that. I remember when I gave you the notes, like, yeah, it's you pulled it off. It it works. It works. So so keep on going with it. Oh yeah. How about yeah, you? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So for me, um, the the main thing I did this week, you know, as this airs, this is gonna air on Monday the twenty-sixth. And that means Animals Number One is going to be in comic shops really soon. Maybe not this week, but next week. I'm excited for that, and um, and in the spirit of that, I've been working on Animals too. And I'm happy to say that you know, in in the previous weeks, of course, we had basic outlining, and then and then a page. So top level outline: what scenes are happening? What's the big thing? Then drill down into the page outline: what's the main thing happening from a story perspective on this page? Then the the grind work happens right the okay but what things are actually happening how, you know how can i take this one thing that's the key thing and turn it into a bunch of other things and as of last week i was 11 pages into the script and i'm happy to say that as of yesterday i am done with the script it is uh, 29 slash 30 pages something like that so i knocked out the whole thing and uh and i'm and i'm happy you know it is um i just finished it a day ago and i'm gonna let it sit one or two more days and then go back to it and look at it um 
but you know, because I, this is a process podcast and I like talking about the process angle of it, what I found interesting as I was doing this is, uh, is that Scott, I, I, I have my own damn acronym, you know, so, so Dave Scott has this acronym called Slack. That is the Scott lost advanced comics method of making a comic. <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, I think it's, it's basically nice. draw where the heat is, right? Like, like draw the thing you want to draw and everything else will fall in line. Oh, that's good advice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it, it keeps it moving, right? And then for me, I have an acronym that I'm going to coin, uh, CRAW, K-R-A-W, Keith Robert Advanced Writing, right? CRAW. Um, that's my middle initial, actually. So it, it is, it's similar to Scott's. It's write the thing that the scene has to hang on. And, and everything else in the scene will follow around it. Now, at its simplest, it just means what's the main thing of the scene? Is it the action or is it the dialogue? Because odds are it's going to be one of those two things. You know, I mean, at its simplest, a, a story is going to be about either plot developing, i.e. people talking, or action happening. Yeah, that reminds me of like a, a method that some comic artists use. It's where you look at the page, uh, you look at the script, right? And whatever the most important thing on that page is, that's going to be your accent panel. That's going to be kind of the focus of the page. So it's very similar in the sense that, yeah, you see what the most important thing on that page is, and that's the one you're going to accentuate the most. It's going to be the biggest panel or it's going to be the most interesting interesting overall. So, yeah, that's a very cool method, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's about what's driving the scene. And why it really stuck with me this time is that, I've been building to this, right? I've been talking about this in various ways over the last six, eight months of the podcast as I've written various scripts. But this is the time where it felt like it really solidified. And now I get to the beginning of a scene or the beginning of, beginning of a page and I'm like, okay, what's happening here? Am I furthering the plot with a lot of talking or am I delivering a whole lot of action? And with a story like Animals, those two things are as vividly opposed as you can really have, right? You have you know, crazy animals doing crazy, savage things. But then you also have me tr trying to get elements of science and, you know, like mystery and the detective part of the story. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so there was a really stark contrast in what each scene or each page was going to deliver. This page is going to be a lot of talking. So I'm going to write all the talking because the action, it helps. And I generally know what's going to happen. But it's not the thing driving the scene. It's the thing that's just supporting the dialogue and vice versa. So um, I even came to a final scene. The final scene I, I wrote for the issue and for, therefore, the, the second part of a two-page, uh, two-issue story, I actually wrote all the dialogue out for the final scene, so four pages or so. And then instead of hooking the action around the dialogue kind of bit by bit, I then... <laughs> at the bottom of the dialogue, wrote out all the action I wanted to have happen. This thing, that thing, that thing, that thing on a panel level. And then all I did was cut and paste and slot and size the panels to make the dialogue fit. You know, um, one of my biggest learnings over, I'd be curious to know how long it takes other writers um, to do this, because for me, it took a good solid dozen issues of doing it before I was really out of my own way, which is if you're using a lot of dialogue in a panel, you better specify that panel be large. 
you can't have a small panel with a lot of dialogue. You don't have the damn room, you know? So I think the more I've gone along, the better I've gotten at that. And that's what this was, right? It was just slotting. Okay. This, this has to be a big panel. Cause I want this dialogue to happen in this break. And you close your eyes and you try to picture it at least your own way as it flows on the page. So that when you go from panel to panel, you're picking interesting little mini breaks in the dialogue that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I think everyone has their yeah, own learning curve, like how long it takes them to figure things out. Like I know now, I mean, you know, you and I were 10 years into this thing. So it's just like now I have a better understanding of that. And, you know, it's I'm on the other side of the coin with the drawing. It's like, OK, I know how much dialogue Ed wrote. So I know to draw, you know, like leave this much space. I need a little more space because there's mm -hmm. more dialogue on this page. So it kind of goes both ways. Um, if your yeah. artist is worth his salt and has been doing it a while, they'll figure that out. You know, it's just they also can say, oh, you know, because you're giving them a full script, right? Or are you just giving them? Yes. Action? OK. Full, so, yeah, full script. Yeah. If they see a large amount of dialogue, hopefully they know to <laughs> give some breathing room there. That, that's no, totally, totally. The, um, that, that's totally the artist's, like the comic book artist's lesson to learn. And I don't know how many times I would draw this great page that I was super in love with and then go to add the dialogue and have to cover up all this stuff that I spent all this time working on. Um, and, you know, at first it's fine to do that. I think it's good because you, you, you need to go through all the motions to really understand it. But after a while, you start realizing, like... You can save a lot of time by not drawing where you know that giant word bubble is going to sit. You don't need to spend any time drawing that. And uh, I think, like, you know, you were saying, Scott, it's like after a while you start, when you read the scripts, you start realizing, okay, that's a lot of dialogue. You know, I, A, I need a, a bigger panel, but B, I maybe don't even need to show that much in there either because I'm it, most of it's going to be taken up with words. And it's like all of that, you just have to have done it a billion times, a bunch of times to start to see what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The um, you know, I watched this video. Um, Jim Lee has a great streaming channel on YouTube that he does. Like he 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 streams on Twitch, I think, and um, he talks about it all the time. And I think someone asked, like, "Oh, hey, do you do you consider like how much dialogue's on the page?" He actually doesn't. And so, like, I kind of was going off of that for a while, but <laughs> I I was just like, "Oh, he doesn't worry about it. He's like the best ever." So, like, that's. You know, like I'll just I'll just listen to him. Yeah. And not worry about it. Yeah, but that's he 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 does he he like didn't he do the Marvel method, which is like yeah. Oh, the artist just draws whatever the whatever the hell they want, and then the writer comes in and figures yeah. it figures out how to tell a story after the fact, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. he said yeah. They'll figure it out, and so <laughs> you know, I'm just so I I did that. I was just like yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Then I'm just going to kind of draw whatever I want. And then, you know, let the cards lie where they may. And, you know, if they cover up some of the art, they cover up some of the art. But then I was the one doing the lettering. So I was like, I'm covering up my own art. It feels wrong, you know? So then yeah, I, I, like that. I like that. Yeah, it's just like, I, I like drawing that. I I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. really good. Like, man. It really makes the whole page come together, that one corner there. <laughs> yeah, that, the way I drew that elbow, like it came off <laughs> yeah. so good. And, and like, I'm gonna have to cover that elbow. This is, you know, what's the point of all of this? So, you know, but after time, it's just yeah. like, okay, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. You leave the proper space and, you know, you just learn tricks after a while. Yeah, I think you make a great point though about how like learning from the experts can be great. But it can also be a touch misleading, you know, like, OK, I'm oh, yeah. not the biggest baseball fan, but but you're reminding me of this thing I remember. So like Tony Gwynn, 
um, one of the greatest hitters of all time, had this thing on like the secret of his hitting. And the secret of his hitting is he would watch the rotation of the seams as the pitch came out of the pitcher's hand, you know, and, <laughs> and I could, and, and like, yeah, exactly. Scott, right. Like you're, you're shaking your head and it's like, fuck, that's a thing, <laughs> you know? And I could, I could picture, I could Not picture him humans. saying that. Yeah. yeah, I know. And and look, I played Little League until I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. And I could just picture Little Leaguers around the world going like, OK, watch for the seams, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like that's a that's a that's a cool thing to say because you're a complete master of the craft and one of the greatest hitters of all time. But like that doesn't mean it's something to build on for people that are, you know, before master of the craft in that stage of their career. Right. Yeah. Tony Gwen, San Diego's favorite son. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Dave, Dave, what was what was, what were you working on this week, man? What have you been up to this week in terms of uh, comics? Oh, uh, I, let's see. This this week, I've I've kind of been juggling a couple different projects. Um, the ones I'm currently working on now are our um, uh, issue number two for California Inc., which was a, a Kickstarter that just went through recently, and we did the first issue. And uh, the whole story is written, but the art hasn't been so. I've been um, I've been very involved in that, um, and I, I spent most of last week doing the thumbnails for that. And um, you know, like uh, it's, it's, speaking of, as far as process goes, it's something that I've, I guess I've kind of changed. I used to um, I used to like to just open up the script. I'd read it, of course, all the way through, but then I would just I would go to page one. And I would make page one. I'd, go, I'd make the thumbnail, I'd pencil it, I'd ink it, I'd color it, I'd letter it. Page one is done and I move to the next one. And then, um, you know, as, as I started working with other writers and other creators, I started realizing people don't love that because they want, like, they, it's easier to kind of see the whole thing first. So I, I started branching out a little more. I'd do a scene and then and then I would do everything. So that would help my, like, my, my impatience of wanting to see the finished product. Uh, but... As I've as I've worked, you know, like, and as you guys know, like, as you as you do this, you start to realize, all right, it makes a lot of sense to just do all the thumbnails first, and and then you can really see how it flows, and you can see a lot of of the things that will be problems later on down the road, or you can plan for things, and you can get a better idea of how you will you'll make things, you know, do less mess ups along the way. So uh, the the problem with that though is I think doing going through a script and making thumbnails for a whole twenty five page story a twenty four page story can be a little bit tedious, and I I sometimes I get impatient. Like I want to finish, I, I get an idea of some how I think a page is going to look awesome. And I want to just get there, but you know, thumbnails, you know, you got to be patient. So did a little bunch of those. And then I was also um, in the, while I, when I get burnt out on that, I was working on um, this other book called uh, Ride the Night, which is a totally different kind of a vibe. It's a seventies motorcycle gang story. Um, and this is, um, yeah. this is a, pro this is a project that I'm doing. It's not, uh, it, it, the writer is hoping that we can pitch it to some publishers and have it get finished through that. So we're, we're just working on a, uh, a 11 page kind of sample of the, of the story he wants to create. But uh, you know, it sounds simple, easier than it's than than it sounds. You know, you still have to really develop all the characters. You have to develop how you want the thing to look and, and everything. So that's, I'm at the tail end of that and I'm, I'm finishing up that project and it's feeling good. And, and so when I, I feel the need to, get to a completed place. That was the project that I've been working on. So I've been working on kind of the beginning of one and the end of another, 
Um, and they're totally different ones, like in the future ones in the seventies. So it's, um, it's, it's, that's cool. Just kind of like, uh, to get those different, different angles and different flavors going. And then in the meantime, I was also working with this music artist who's having me do some concept, uh, comic stuff for an album he's working on. Uh, and that one, uh, I just was doing a cover image for recently. And so that was, that was pretty fun. He's, uh, he, he, he's this music artist and he's got this great look. He's got this huge mohawk and like, he's got the sci-fi, uh, angle that he just loves with visuals and his photography and everything of him. So it was so easy to just like segue him into a comic book, uh, character that kind of talks about this weird musical journey he's taken um in the in this fantastical way so that's a fun project and that one's also pretty much done it was just we're just finalizing the cover at this point so uh that last so i you said a bunch of interesting stuff there so like the last thing when you're describing this guy i'm like well that just looks like dave's art like in my head i was like <laughs> yeah this that's guy true. looks like the way you draw so uh, that's the first thing <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. His name is Matt Gordon. Uh, if if anyone wants to look, I've done some artwork for him already before, and his music style is really cool. It, it, he's you know, and unlike me, he has a taste that's different. But I've I've learned to open myself up, and and I, you know, when I was younger, it was strictly punk rock. Uh, but now I've aged. I've I've appreciate I can appreciate everything now. And and he tests that though. He has he loves R and B, and he loves in particular R and B like like Michael Jackson and Brandy and these like really big, like um, R and B artists from, from like the nineties. And that was just like, at that time I was, I was like a punk teenager and that was like the last thing I wanted to hear. And, and so I listened to very little of it unless it was just like on the radio all the time. And I usually was rolling my eyes about that. So, but you know, like he, I, whenever I work with anyone and including music artists, I asked for like a, I asked him to send me a playlist of music so I can work and listen at the same time. And, um, and so he sent me this playlist with all this music I would never listen to, but it's like, he has a, he has a great uh, knack for kind of picking from a genre that I wouldn't necessarily think I would like and finding stuff that is definitely that genre, but um, I, I really liked it and I really enjoyed it. And so um, it's been a challenge and, and a fun challenge to kind of take his music and try to apply it to an art style that's i i I mean i've definitely developed while listening to tons of aggressive punk rock and trying to apply that (laughs) to to, uh an an r&b artist but he does have some more upbeat feelings his his styles it's 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 different so um it was it's a it's a really different kind of stretch for me but these are the kinds of stretches that i think really make me grow as an artist and i every time i do these kinds of uh projects where at first i might go i i don't know if i'm this is this is like i can i don't know if i'm necessarily the right fit for that but um i i found that you know my you can you can be a fit you can make yourself fit into really whatever you want if you're open to it yeah and that's a thing that comic book has drawing has taught me is you really have to be open to drawing people to drawing cars to drawing uh um animals to drawing plants to drawing everything and anything <laughs> uh, and when i started i remember i had a list of things i didn't like drawing but um you got to forget those you know <laughs> yeah. 
I think the mm. one one thing on my list that always sticks, and it's like, I mean, you know, I just primarily do my own book, so it, it, you know, we can draw what what I want to draw, but you can work like, around it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the one thing that I hate drawing, and like I'll do it at conventions if I take co commissions and stuff. I'm like, no robots, no robots. I don't want to draw. Oh, robots. What? Yeah, I hate drawing robots <laughs> because like that's like that's like on my list of things I love to draw. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I've seen your work, so um, for me, it's just like it has to be perfectly symmetrical. And if it's not perfectly symmetrical, I don't know if they can tell it's wrong, but I know I can tell it's wrong. And like it would drive me insane. And so like you know what, depending what you're charging for commissions, it's like that's going to eat up so much more time than if I was drawing Green Lantern or you know or Batman or something. Oh, so it's just kind yes. of like. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna kill me. I don't want to do that. When you're working, because I know talking to you at um, a convention specifically about this, we were talking about your process. You said you work traditionally as well as digitally. So when you're doing your thumbnails, are you doing that digitally or are you doing that traditionally? Uh, that's a good question. And I've been playing around with that a lot for you know, I, I started doing with pencil along when I, and I usually do still start with pencil out I start with going through a script and um and then I do little doodles next to all the pan, all the like like the, the pages to kind of like signify what I, I'm thinking I want to do kind of like this like I just mark them up with like real light kind of like um and then from that uh I I would usually like draw it onto paper but uh I, I've been experimenting doing it digitally uh, only because the, the flexibility you have to move and manipulate things and shrink and large things is so easy and so nice. And like, um, and for in particular for laying out a page, um, it's really quick and really easy and, um, and, and, and requires less materials. Like you don't need paper. So you can just, I feel more uh, loose and care, you know, like I can be a little bit more careless uh, and, and, and risk takey. Cause you're like, well, sh just, you know, delete control delete. Right. So um, <laughs> I, I like it for last, but I, honestly it's weird. I'll go do dig I'll do my uh, thumbnails digitally, but then I'll, I'll go back. And then once I have that figured out, then I, I lay it down on, on illustration board and I ink it and then I paint a little bit of it, depending on the project. Some some I'm doing different things, but um, sometimes I'll do an ink wash or, or something like that. And those things, I think, make give it that organic feel. And then typically from there, I, I will I will go in a digital element to it, sometimes more, sometimes less. Again, depends on the style of the story or or the scene that I'm working on. Yeah, I, but I, I think they both definitely have their values. I used to do the same thing you did uh, where I'll take my writer's script, I'll print it out and I'll read it and I'll just do panels as I'm reading. I'm like, this is how I see this in my head. And then I'll arrange them and yeah. try to fit them into a page. And um, that's how we first started doing it. And that was he didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. It was our first books. So he was writing prose, essentially. And so I was just thumbnailing as I was going. And sometimes it would be perfect to be like, wow, this was 22 pages. And then sometimes it'd be like 29 pages. I'm like, dude, we're not doing 29 pages. So we figured out how to do it like most writers, comic writers and comic artists do it together. So, you know, he started dividing the pages up. But going to digital, man, that helps so much. And I kind of did the same thing where I would just screen cap 
you know, he would send it, send me this script digitally. So I'd screen cap it and I would throw it right into a procreate file, which is a, a program on iPad. I don't know if you use the iPad or if you're using just like, I don't I've, know. I've used procreate, but I mostly use a, uh, Adobe Photoshop. Oh, okay. Yeah. So procreate's really great because like, I love drawing on the go and like being able to take it anywhere or draw wherever in the house that I want to. Um, but I created a spreadsheet essentially that has eight pages on it. So when I do the thumbnails, I can kind of see the flow of the story too. It's like, oh, the flow is working really well. And uh, you know where you, okay, well, it's already divided into like your double page spreads and stuff like that. So it's just like really, really useful. And like you said, you can adjust, manipulate, move stuff around. It's just like, okay, I drew this guy, you know, a little bit too much to the center. It needs to be moved over a little bit. You could just circle, grab it and pull them over instead of having to redraw it. And like, I know switch the switching to digital cut, like I was 50, uh, 15 to 20 hours per page normally. And then it cut it to like 10 and I just, just switching. Yeah. And I was just like, man, it's you do you do everything digital? Now I do. Um, I don't do the covers digitally. So like I'll I'll lay it out digitally and then I'll print it out in blue line and then I'll ink it traditionally. So I have covers, you know, like if if my books ever take off, it's like, well, I have the covers for sale, you know, and and I you know, I'm someone that likes to read physical comics, not so much digitally. Um, so I like I like the tactile feeling. I like being able to hold the paper and everything. So it was difficult to switch to digital, like knowing that those pages wouldn't exist in real life. Um, but yeah. just the time it saved, it's just like, no, it just makes sense to to go digital. You know, I've, I've done both. I've done full digital too. Um, I've definitely experimented with that. Uh, I found though, if I go full digital, I actually spend more time on it because you can adjust and tweak so much that I wind up just getting overly obsessed with the minutia. And like, um, I've, I've kind of the opposite. I've done covers. Lots of times I do the covers. I almost do covers mostly digital now because, oh. um, you, you, I can dig into the details and make it exactly. What I want. But with the interiors, when I was doing that, I would just spend too much time on it. And so it's like, if I have like a, 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 just a, a brush dipped in ink and I, and I go quick, it's like, I'll move through that process and I can't, I can't scrutinize it uh, any more than I, I did that first go. So it, for sake of speed, it actually had the opposite effect for, for me, but I realized it had the opposite effect. It, it slowed me way down. <laughs> yeah. I did that a bit. Um, like, like you said, you can really get in there. And so like I had yeah. a bunch of books on a shelf on a cover and um, when I printed it out, like to ink it, I couldn't read any of the stuff I wrote on the books because it was so tiny. And it was like, I wasted <laughs> so much time with that. But you got there. You got some whiskey. Uh, you know, I just have, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't get anything fancy. It's just some Maker's Mark whiskey here. That, yeah, uh, nothing wrong with that. Doesn't yeah, yeah. Job. yeah, rock on. I, uh, on the hey, Dave, so, so, solidarity. This is actually a Diet Coke, but it's not oh, all right. Diet Coke. It's, it, it's not all Diet Coke. It's got, <laughs> it's got some. It's got some bullet up in the hizzy as well. So nice. All right. This all right. this beer is insane. Yeah, it's so strong. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah? I still can't find. I can't find the ABV, but it's. I, I think it's. Like, I think it's at least fifteen, Scott. Yeah. yeah it has yeah. to be. Tastes like the devil's <laughs> anus. This is. Scott, this is the five-star motherfucking experience, man. This is what people sign up for. Um, all right. So, so, um, so, okay. So you were talking about 
uh, your thumbnail process. So do you have a habit? Like, I don't know if you do this. I know some creators do when they're doing their thumbnails, they'll kind of get really into it and then kind of blow it up and then work off of the thumbnail. That's actually the process that I do. So when I'm working digitally on my thumbnails, um, the beauty of working digitally too on these is you can zoom in and you can just straight up work on the thumbnail. Like, like you were saying, when you're doing the process, you're like, man, this page is really good. I can't wait to get to this. I, I don't wait. So like when I'm (laughs) doing the thumbnails, I I'll just start working it. And I'm like, this is flowing so well. I'm just going to keep kind of messing with it for a while until I get kind of like the forms down. And I'm like, you know, okay, let's leave it here. I got the juice. So let's continue and work on these other things. And then so like, you know how it goes. Sometimes you'll read a reach a part where you're like, I'm just not into this part. So you kind of like stick figure it out a little bit and then you just (laughs) kind of move on. So, so what's your process like? Are you able to do that? Or is that something you do? Like, like, do you get into even the smaller thumbnail sometimes? Uh, you know, when I'm, when I go straight digital, uh, I, I, I will do that. You know, you save yourself some time of, uh, but you know, like when I work with illustration, I think I have, when it was really crucial, I have just like, I have one of those monitors that you can kind of manipulate it's on on this like arm. So I've manipulated my monitor so that I could kind of lay down my paper down and just get a light tracing of where, where I want the, it to be. But for the most part, no, I, uh, I have, um, I kind of have a habit. I almost always will divide my, uh, my pages, uh, into the uh, rule of thirds. Like always, I just have always done that. And so, um, even my, even my thumbnails, I do that with, so using that trick, I can kind of see where I, I basically have things and my thumbnails are so loose. I mean, honestly, like, uh, if, if, if the writer doesn't need to see them, I, I mean, people probably wouldn't even know what my thumbnails are saying. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I've, been, I, I've been there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, the artists would be like, this is the thumbnail. So I'm like, I got to go back to the script to try to figure out what the hell this is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, look, the way you drew this shape is amazing, but like, I'm just not sure what the shape is. And then I'll, and then I'll consult the script like, Oh, Oh yeah. That's yeah, totally. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you, you're going to, you draw so much that eventually you're just like, okay, I know how I'm going to draw this. I don't even spend the time on it for this. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like uh, I, I it's it's not a huge thing. It does sometimes. It is nice. Like when I'm working purely digital, it is nice to just be like, just to enlarge that thumbnail and, and just start going into the details from that. But um, but no, I, I I don't know. I don't always go straight digital like that. So and and you know like it, it's it's good and it's bad. I, I've found that um, oftentimes uh, the I think most people find this like the more you draw something, the better it gets. So especially if it's like a an important image if i draw a thumbnail and then i draw it again it i'll get the flow better i'll get the movement better i'll get something better but there's always something that kind of improves when i redraw something so if i wasted you know like half a minute drawing this thumbnail uh before i think i more than make up for it with the improvement that redoing it will make that's interesting yeah you know like i hear what you're saying with comic books, it's all about, I always tell people it's all, it sounds kind of awful, but there's a lot about kind of quarter cutting, right? If you can cut a corner, if you can not do this step and it's still, the reader will know no difference, 
then I, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm looking for, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I feel like manga is based on that, you know, like so much of that. Scott, did I beat you to that? Did I just hear you say manga the same way? No, I, I was actually going to do something else, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, no, I mean, like manga is such a assembly line. You know, like these guys are under grueling deadlines. And I think what what's fascinating to me about manga is that the the necessity has created the style. There's this necessity, like you have to create this many pages in this super short period of time. Like I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you a day to do like four pages. And it's like, what what the fuck is that? You know, like it's these insane deadlines these artists are under. So they figure out, okay, how can I do that? And that's why you get into like blow-ups and speed lines and all these cool things. And like those things in a lot of ways have become like the visual signifiers of manga. And they started because people wanted stuff on a deadline and artists figured out how to make that happen. Yeah, usually on a weekly basis over there. Like they're yeah. working for hours. And and honestly, like Dave's point of uh corner cutting, that's that's built into what comics like American comics is in general. Everyone is on a monthly basis, like you know, like the original artists back, you know, going to the golden age and stuff. It's like this was a job. A lot of them, it wasn't a job that they let people know that they did. You know, mm -hmm. people wrote under uh, handles because they were embarrassed by the work, you know, and, and you look back at that stuff and you're like, man, this stuff is it's like real pure artist stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like you, you'll get into different eras and you're like. This is the nicest looking shit I've ever seen. And like you compare that to the stuff that I love in the 90s, there was a whole lot of bad, you know, it's like you had those artists that they were the superstar artists, but you had a lot of a lot of bad artists, too. And yeah. and it's just like you compare that to like the Jack Kirby's of the world, you know, the Ditko's and stuff, and you see the line work and all the different textures and like to a child's eye, like in the 90s, I hated that stuff. But like because <laughs> I'm like. It all kind of looked the same and it kind of looked boring. You know, like, like, let's just be honest about it. Like, that's how it I felt. Old. It felt old. It felt super old. But then mm -hmm. as with grown up, you know, 40 plus eyes, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, my God, look at this line work. Look how clean it is. Look at all these textures. Look at this technique. And it's something you appreciate on another level. And it's just like the musician's musician, right? The artist's artist. And I think a lot of those older artists, they fall into that category because the work was so refined compared oh. to what it is now. You know, like like a lot of stuff today, there's not – let's not say today because I think today's artists – they use a combination of technique um, and style, whereas 90s, it was based on a lot of style, not not a lot of technique, a lot of knowledge of like the human anatomy and stuff like that. Um, but today, I think it's a nice combination of both. You have those like everyone is pretty not everyone. A lot of people are technically sound, but they also have their own unique flavor that they're putting on top of it. You know, like I think the old saying was um, style is. What is it? It's like error done consistently and intentionally, you know, and and so now it's it's not so much that it's just like, OK, well, you want to make your stuff stand out and look different. And you understand you, you understand the human form and how bodies work and how cars work or whatever. But there's something you throw on top of it to make it your own. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny, Scott, because you said you, it wouldn't be an episode of making comics. 
if I didn't figure out a way to turn this into music at some point. And maybe it's because <laughs> I'm staring at Dave's four fucking guitars. Maybe that's why, <laughs> right? Maybe that's maybe that's helping enable my music thing. But like so much of what you're talking about, Scott, like the old days of like the Marvel bullpen and being on these tight deadlines, it reminds me of a subgenre of music, library music, right? And so, you know, super quick, like high level thing on library music, generally done in Europe, also done in, in some areas of Asia, especially Japan. And what you would do is companies would hire really good musicians, like really well-known musicians. And they, they'd give them four hours in the studio and they'd say, make shit that's dramatic. And then those people would go into a studio, get like session musicians that had done this shit for decades. And then they would make stuff that sounded dramatic or emotional or love or digital at the time, right? They'd mess around with like Moog synthesizers and stuff like that. And, and then the recording company would be like, cool, thank you. And then they'd press that into a record. And then they'd sell those records to TV companies and, and movie companies all over the world. And so when those huh. people needed like a dope action scene or a cool sequence or something that was like emotive and made people feel like love, they could just pull a record. They paid like a premium for this record. And then they would just have that. So they didn't have to make soundtracks. They could buy soundtracks and then put those into their productions. And some great music came from that. You know, like the People's Court theme, Monday Night Football, <laughs> like themes that are iconic. They came from library records, you know? And <clears throat> what's fascinating to me is the part I said at the beginning, like you're giving these guys four hours in a studio. Like, there you go, start. You have to stop in four hours. And these guys were so good at what they did and such virtuosos that they, they could knock out stuff that was weird, that was sparse, that was spur of the moment, that was experimental, that didn't have any rehearsal, that was just kind of a form of jazz. And they made this great like subgenre of music because they were so good at what they did. And I think that ties back to how, you know, limitations can breed brilliance, you know, and... Mm -hmm. We, we see it, you know, I, I think the modern definition of brilliance can be something as simple as knowing when not to draw a background because you're putting word balloons over it, you know, but back then it was a little different. It was, you know, figure out a way to do this as quick as possible and do all these things. And to me, it's, it really is interesting to think about how the shortcuts bred genres or subgenres or styles that we still see in use today. I think that stuff is awesome. I love watching uh, uh, things like music or art evolve uh, based on something like that, like something that you wouldn't think would really be the driver um, uh, of it, but it is. You know, I, 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 I when I when I decided I was going to be a commercial artist, I was really at that time into uh, drawing with graphite. I just was really having a good time, just re just reacquainting myself with such like the basic art material right and i was just doing everything and trying everything i could with pencils and trying to repaint as much as i could and i was like i don't know why people don't use graphite in pens in comics like you can you can do some really cool close-up shots with you if you really just rendered it nicely and gave it some good shading and so it's like i was like screw it i'm gonna do that on my on my comic it's my book i'm you know so like on space i try the first the first volume i had these characters that were like they're like these hologram characters. And so I was free to kind of make them look a little weird. I was supposed to make them look weird. So I was like, oh, I'll do this. I'll, I'll render them in pencil with like all this kind of realistic shading. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, you got it right there. Yeah. <laughs> and it'll and then I'll, I'll tweak it a little on Photoshop, and it'll look it'll look awesome. And, and I think I think the final product did look really cool, and it looked different. And people will often look at that and be like, "Wow, that's." You don't see that in comics and those pages, the originals, I sold them pretty quickly. Um, and so there's there's something to be said about that. And I was like, well, that's cool. But as soon as I had a deadline, as soon as I started getting more jobs that I had to be done, I was like, screw that. I'm going to spend like an hour <laughs> on this one panel of this dude's face when I've got like 20 pages I got to draw. Like, I, you got to draw it in that, you know with some well thought out lines and that's it, you know, like, um, and, and that was, I mean, it seems like a stupid lesson to learn. It's obvious, you know, every comic book is not, nobody, nobody does. I mean, very occasionally someone will do a comic with a lot of pencil rendering, but it's pretty rare. And then, and, and there's a clear reason why. And it's because most of the time, you know, you're not getting paid enough <laughs> or you don't have nearly that's enough time. To do yep. that kind of rendering, yeah, yeah, the, the, go hand in hand. It's number one and number two. I think you know. Um, I can't remember where I heard this conversation going on, but like they were saying that the monthly deadline is the worst thing that happened to comics, and like the one one of the worst things that comics has to deal with. It's like okay, you have thirty days to release another issue so it doesn't necessarily give you enough time to make the best comic book but at the same time people got to live so as you know it's like those two things go hand in hand if that's your livelihood then yeah you have to draw it as fast as possible because you need to you need to churn that out so you can get another job and make more money so you can keep paying the rent you know it's just those those things unfortunately go hand in hand. Now, when they're your own project, you know, you you can take the time to do over an hour on on one figure and just be happy with it. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, this is exactly what I want to do. And you know, honestly, that's why I do my own books. Number one, I'm not fast enough yeah. to do them monthly. But two, <laughs> it's like I want to draw what I want to draw. And like your thought process on it is is great because I feel like that. Like when I think about the comic page. I try to think of things that are different, a little outside of the box than other people are doing, you know, like you're going to obviously have those standard pages where you're doing standard stuff on it. But, you know, like the idea, like with me, I've been incorporating like sound effects more into the art, like having it be part of the art as opposed to being layered on top of it. You know what I mean? So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Just incorporating everything, you know, it's just like, well, lettering is an art form unto itself. So how about we yeah. marry them together and let's see what that looks like. Like, don't stick your lettering on top of my art. Let's put it into the art and see how that looks. And I just think cool. aesthetically, it's just more pleasing. And like to create it as the artist, to be able to do both things and go, yeah, this is this is dope. This is exactly what I want to do. And this is exactly what I want it to look like. Yeah, actually, Dave, there, there's something you said that I kind of want to dig into a little bit more there. You know, you, you're doing something that I have never done. And that's why I'm so fascinated by it, which is like working on a depth, working for someone else, right? Like, like, I mean, you know, being hired, right. And being hired on a certain deadline and like, I got to do this thing. Right. So to me, as someone who's always written my own properties has not branched out as of yet into like writing for hire or doing like for hire books, I'm curious, like, it feels like this, this, you know, I, I know there's something there, but like, what, what things of your craft have you really advanced 
by having to work on a deadline, by having constraints, you know, by by not giving mm-hmm. yourself, you know, by not saying, ah, fuck it, I'll spend the day just drawing this one face, you know, like, or I'll spend three <laughs> hours drawing this one face. Like at some point, you know, th- those constraints can probably can lead to like further artistic development. Like, is there anything particular that sticks out as as you've been like honing your work, streamlining your work um, that's that's made you like advance the craft or try new things that you wouldn't have done if you just had unlimited time to do your own stuff? That's a that's a really good question. And yes, uh, uh, there is there is. And, and yeah, it is a little sad sometimes when I go, oh, you can't you can't just make it exactly like you would. Um, but, you know, as we said, like sometimes that minimum giving yourself limitations can actually create uh, better things. If you have too many options, sometimes it feels like, you know, it, it, you can't find the solution. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it sucks, but it doesn't. And, and I, it is the art form. It is it is this, the, the way that comic books is defined. It just has to be that way. So I, I can accept that. Um, and what I've learned from it, though, from as far as getting, you know, doing more contract work and, and what I actually really like about it is so when I when I would do when I was younger and I would try to make my own comics, I'm, I'm not a great writer. Um, I think I can I would like to get better at that, but it's I'm, I don't feel like it's my strong point. But what so I would always start with what do I want to draw and what it is that I want to draw is the thing that I've been drawing a lot of already. And and I know I can draw well. And and, um, and that's cool. I don't think there's anything totally wrong with that. And honestly, I think that's how you should start when you start making comics. But what I think makes me uh, someone that someone would want to hire is um, is that I I know when uh, I well at least I think I know <laughs> so, so I know uh, how much detail is enough detail to make this still something that is going to be intriguing for you to look at. Right? It might not have that fully rendered pencils, but it's still going to look like something that you're going to be excited to read and want to want to read more of. And and that's hard to do. Um, uh, if we could all just throw a lot, t- a lot of time at everything, I think a lot of comments would look a lot better and there'd be a lot harder to get a job. So, you know, that's that's one of the skills of being a comic is an artist is being able to simplify uh, a compelling image into fewer strokes. Um, but the, and, and that's kind of one of the things to answer your question that I, I kind of learned by having uh, these jobs is people will ask you to draw things that you would never I would never want to draw these things. Like so I, I, I was excited about this project and also dreading the amount of motorcycles I was going to have to draw in a 70s motorcycle comic. This is like it's almost easier to draw a sci fi story with all these speed bikes because you can do whatever you want. No one's going to look at that and be like, that is not an accurate space yeah bike, right <laughs> they don't exist right but yeah. there's tons of nerds about 70s motorcycles tons and for good reason they're awesome they're really cool to look at but to draw them in all these different angles and to draw varieties of them not even just like one like you've got to like figure out what's cool it's like i was like man this is going to be this is going to be a challenge for something that's not even really the the main essence of the book all these bikes is going to be the biggest challenge but as I've been doing them and as I start like and I'm researching these these bikes I'm like learning all this stuff about like how these machines like some of the stuff that makes them look cool that I can apply to elsewhere um like space you know like my sci-fi stuff but also just like I you you I'm excited about drawing something that you used to not be excited about and I think that's kind of a gift you know like to take as an artist to be like I hate drawing motorcycles I'll be like 
well, here's a magic pill. You're not only going to like drawing motorcycles, but you're going to be good at them now. It's like, that's like a pretty cool thing. And, and, and that's one thing I've noticed and I love about this job. And, and it's that I've wound up being able to draw things that I used to hate. And I now can draw them pretty well. And I even like them. Um, like you were just saying, Scott, like I, I didn't like doing a lot of text or like a lot of word, word, like sound effects, those kinds of things. Like I like freehand. I like organic things. I don't like using rulers a ton. But having having to do that and, and wanting to have something on the page that I like rather than just is, is there to, as a vehicle for the story, which is fine, but if you can have both, it's even better. And so okay. like I, I it, it forced me to really kind of go, okay, if I'm gonna do all these these words or these gonna do these kind of sound effects, how how can I make it so that it would be fun for me? And then like, you know, the the fact that you kind of get forced to do that is I think a good thing. Yeah, it expands your uh, artistic palette, you know, like you didn't like it before and now you like it and now like you said, you can do it very well. And and when you're forced to do those things, you can start to enjoy it like i hate drawing backgrounds just in general i'm like backgrounds i like drawing people like i love drawing people yeah. i like having people do things but then you need the backgrounds to show the element that they're in you know like it's very important to the story and, and um you know like i don't hate them as much as i used to because yeah. you know we're 10 years in you know and it's just like okay <laughs> at some point you're just gonna have to live with it because People are always in places. They're not in the void of space. They're <laughs> always in snow and they're not in the pitch black of night. So gotta fucking figure it out, you know? Like and you know, you learn to love it or you learn to be like be all right with it, if anything else. Yeah. You know, it's just like it may not be something you enjoy, but you're fine with it and you and you do it and you move on. And like I think I'm finally at that place with backgrounds myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have a little bit of an analogy in writing and Scott, I feel like this is a conversation you and I had maybe with somebody like offline, because um, I don't think it was on the podcast, but it was about how being a writer, you know, there's stuff I hate too. Like my version of backgrounds is interstitial shit. It, this is in prose, Dave, like interstitial shit that gets you from scene to scene. And we were just talking about that with uh, Gary. With in, Gary. In okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's like for me, you know, like you can't, you can sort of write a novel like a movie, but you can't really write a novel like a movie. You can't just jump from scene to scene. You have to have some degree of flow from one scene to the other. And something that it's like my least amount of fun is I, I got this cool thing here and I got a cool thing that's happening next. And now I just got to build a bridge to it. It's like, how long do I want that bridge to be? What do I want to talk about? How, how the fuck can I get through this as quick as possible? But, you know, you sort of realize, too, you know, the old, like, corny business adage of it's not a problem, it's an opportunity, you know? And, like, yeah. you with background, Scott, I think, you know, if, if you learn to figure out how to use them to your advantage, then all of a sudden they don't suck as much anymore. I'm not going to say they're ever going to be, like, yeah. as fun as writing, like, the main thing. But if you inject some kick-assness into them then they're at least going to be more fun for you to write. They're going to pop more off the page. And, you know, if, if you enjoy writing them more and creating them more, then everybody else is going to enjoy reading them more. And you learn shorthands. So like, you know, like it's the cutting corner thing. So with backgrounds, there's an element of it that you know you need in order for this to look good and to be, to convey to the audience, they're in a city. Okay, how do we do that? What's the quickest way to do that? Like, I think, I think, all kids learn this when they're very young, 
like you know you kind of just do this rectangle pattern line <laughs> doesn't disconnect right do that. and that, like, <laughs> that's a city in the background and you can you can do that as your far distance background but then you have to have buildings up front or whatever but if you can do you can there's a way to do that where it's very simple and it conveys the exact idea of what you need it to be so you yeah. know like there, there's a way of finessing things, you know, using stuff to your advantage as far as your style goes. Like, Dave, you have a very – I think you have a very pliable style because you're – you can do so much with the way you work. Like, like that's something I really admire about your style is it, it, it's, it lends to many different ways of interpreting things. And, like, mine feels – very solidified it's just like okay these are people like everyone has an outline and buildings are look exactly like buildings it's not there isn't much you know there isn't much play there and um but in my own way i've been finding like shortcuts shorthand in order to get through those stages faster and just like this is just how i draw backgrounds this is how i draw buildings because yeah at the end of the day you can kill yourself and draw this very detailed building but how many people are really paying attention to the building? Not a lot. And yeah. so for particular stories of mine, I can do that. I can do the shorthand and move through those backgrounds very quickly because everyone's paying attention to the characters. Now, Paradise yeah. Hills is a different story. Paradise Hills is a story where the backgrounds, it's a, um, a combination of like Pixar and Studio Ghibli where it's like it's very character focused and emotionally focused and like the characters have a very uh, cartoony vibe to it, but still mixed with my normal style. And the backgrounds are highly detailed and kind of painted. Cool. So it's just like there's there's a nice separation there. And so in order to accomplish that, you have to have highly detailed backgrounds. It's just what that story requires. But, you know, in Second Shift, that's a different thing. It's just like, well, they live in San Diego. I'll throw some tr like, you know, trademark buildings in there, like the, the ones that everyone knows, like the... Um, iconic buildings in san diego it's like throw those down there and then beyond that everything else could be kind of generic because we're playing with the city you know so it's you know shortcuts uh, more or less yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think i think that speaks to the whole i you know like what we we're talking about with comic books is like knowing and then the, the knowing when to do more detail versus less detail when is it important when's it not you know and uh and that just comes with with doing a ton of them and starting to realize, oh, well, this scene has to be like this, or this scene needs to be like this. And it's like the very first scene you've ever drawn, you're like, well, it ha I, you don't know what is enough yet. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. And, and, and Keith, back to kind of on what you were talking about, about the bridge and how those things can be opportunities. I think that that, you know, it's funny. I was just watching, um, I was watching the birds, like that old, an old Alfred Hitchcock movie. Mm. Um, and I, I, I've been watching some Alfred Hitchcock recently and, and just thinking in this movie in particular, I didn't think it's one of his best, but I still thought it was interesting to see how different movies um, of, of that of that time were done and, and how like, I mean, the whole movie is basically that bridge, <laughs> the bridge to, yeah. the, to the birds attacking everyone. Right. And um, and the way he does that bridge, like he, the bridge for Alfred is like is his product. It's like that build that steady build to point B. Right. And yeah. um, I think that that's cool. I think that that's one thing that I think a lot of modern day movies completely forget. And it's just scene after scene, after scene out of action. 
and and um, and while Hitchcock can maybe be feel a little bit of a like slow for some modern viewers, I think there's a good there's a good lesson to be learned with both. And 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 when you said that that, that bridge can be an opportunity, yeah, I, that's what I would yeah, do. What I was I, I, I could not agree more, dude. Uh, again, this may have been an offline conversation with Scott and Gary in Phoenix about how, you know, like I wrote this novel and it's it's like a bit of a slower burn and how like, you know, my, my line was, I think I'm, you know, I, I want to be ideally trying to bring like slow burns kind of back, you know, and I think, I think Jordan Peele has done this amazing, ver- amazing job of bringing slow burn stuff back and I'm curious why more people aren't doing it, you know, like, nope, mm-hmm. nope is, is a slow burn, you know, and, and yeah. he's clearly the clear, you know, the, the, the cleanest link to Hitchcock in terms of that, I think, you know, for the, I for think the it's just hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the neat, like storytelling there. So no, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. So Dave, I wanted to ask you one more, one more question before we sort of get out of here, which is. You know, when I read, uh, you know, Space Auditorium, right? Uh, I love the book. I, I'm pretty sure I have everything there. And I know that that's something that you've co-created with Chris, right? Like that's yeah. that's you guys thing, right? There is some, so first of all, I encourage all listeners of Making Comics to, to go check this book out and uh, hit up Dave, see if you can get some copies of Space Auditorium. I'm sure there's some links there. There is some like straight gonzo shit in here, right? Like there is a, there is a building shaped like a human head where the staircases are coming out of the open mouth. There's all kinds of crazy robots. There's all kinds of kind of crazy like sci-fi paraphernalia and just like it is it is so delightfully gonzo. And I just wanted to ask <laughs> you like what what was the process around all that gonzo shit? Like, you know, was it was it you and Chris kind of in a in a like a writer's room or did he just say do this and you just sort of went crazy? You know, like I'm I'm just curious about how some of this got hatched. Oh, oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it, I think it actually happened in a beautifully organic way. Um, you know, when I when I decided I wanted to uh, start drawing comics, Chris was the only person I knew who could deliver any kind of a, a script. He, he was doing screenplay writing um, in L.A. already. So I asked him to write me a story. And he was like, well, what do you want it to be about? And I was like, I have, I have no idea. And Chris is like... Chris is like a really, he's a really good writer. He can write a lot of different styles. Um, and at the time he was doing these really gritty kind of dark nor kind of uh, stories and these, these kind of like, um, and I was like, well, I want to do a sci-fi story. <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I don't really know anything about sci-fi. And I was just like, well, here's all these drawings I've been doing. Maybe it can inspire you to create a story. Oh, and nice. so he, uh, he started looking at it. He's just got this huge, uh, taste in movie too it's just all over the place and um and so he his idea my idea of science fiction is like is like aliens it's like you know star wars is like uh star trek or uh you know like spaceships and then and, and those and aliens and those things are in there but his idea of science fiction was like his idea was like he, UHF and like uh and, and like bill and ted's bogus journey and like um just these like odd, odd, weird things, right? And, and I learned this from him later on. Like he'll talk about these movies, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I love that movie." And I watch it, and I'm like, "Oh, I see." So his story came out just so weird. And I remember like reading it and being like, "Wow, this is like." I was thinking, I was thinking something kind of just like more, you know, like action adventure sci-fi kind of laser guns, yeah. and spaceships, and stuff. 
he comes with this weird twilight zone acid trip story. And like, and it, it, admit, he tells me he was drawing, he, he was writing it because he felt that was the kind of thing I drew. But like, I mean, maybe maybe it, it looked that way, but I, it felt like it was a it was a stretch already right from the get go for me. But I thought it would be fun to give it a try, and you know, I, I was in the I, I still am. I feel like I'm in this like I'll try anything <laughs> once kind of yeah. mode, right. And so his his stories, I just kind of went at them, and I just like started to draw it, and I just had fun with it, and um, and, and didn't take it too seriously. Um, and it, 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 I think if you read the story, I feel like we kind of. At first, we kind of bump around and try to find our our, our voice, and how, but I think we eventually kind of figured it out halfway through that first moment. But yeah, it just kind of like it just kind of happened with like our feedback, and you know, he he's one of the few writers that would I would give him a page and be like, I don't think that really works, and I'd want to I'd want like kill him, like he just spent like three days working on a page, was like ah, it doesn't quite work, and like since. Neither of us were paying each other. I just had to take it. And, <laughs> uh, and at first, I would, like, get upset about it and, like, push back or argue or anything like that. But eventually, I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to try to do it again or draw, try his idea um, because, you know, who's to say my, my vision is any better than his? And, like, I think we both started to do that. You're, yeah. you're a man because – um, Ed, Ed did that with me a couple of times, my writer, and he goes, Hey, uh, I wrote, I wrote this and you drew this. And I was like, we can, we can rewrite what you wrote in a couple of seconds. We, it's going to take me a while to redraw that. So we're going to go ahead and change <laughs> your thing. This is yeah, a you I, thing, I would buddy. never, this is a you thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is your problem, man. We're, we're changing what you wrote because I'm not redrawing that shit. I'm slow enough. We need to keep moving. You know, it's just like maybe next time around, I'll I'll try to read it better. But this is what I got out of it, you know. And and thankfully, he's he's also a mensch. He's he's very easygoing about the script. He's like, right on, yeah, we'll figure it out, you know. And, and we'll <laughs> forward. But the fact that you I'll actually have to read... use that phrase another time. That's that's a, that's a good one. It's it's going to take you less time to rewrite that than for me to it rewrite. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, maybe let's get your writing chops up and you figure this out and see. <laughs> let's see what you can do to work around what I drew. How about that? Yeah. Like, like, I got tons more questions. We'll definitely have you back on. Yeah, and, man, we'd love uh, to have you back. Definitely talk more craft for sure. Yeah, I'd love to. It's a, it's a blast. I feel, you know, it's like I, I actually, I, you know, I want to, I kind of wanted to ask you guys more about your projects because I, you know, I've been, I've been looking at them, and and this is the first I've heard of animals, Keith, and and it looks oh, okay. super cool. And during that brief break, I realized there's very little to find on it. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about about some of that stuff you guys have been working on. Hey, man, I, I am happy to say I think, Scott, we'll just we'll just get a date with you like a couple months out, and we'll just get you back on and keep talking, man. This was a great conversation, uh, and I'd like to do it again. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I feel like I got tons to learn from you guys, too. You guys have, I mean, I think we've – I think the three of us, it sounds like we've all been kind of doing this roughly around the same amount of time. So Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's cool to talk to and compare notes with someone that is is kind of like literally like my my peer in this hell yeah man yeah yeah well so so dave why don't why don't we give you the most time scott and i can always do some stuff post if we want but like hey shout whatever project you want to shout you got any conventions coming up etc man um how can people find you online etc hit us up with all that right uh yeah so i think currently i'm in between but there's we just finished california 
California Inks Kickstarter for volume uh, issue one, but the second issue is going to be kickstart soon, uh, probably okay. within the next couple of months. So that one okay. we'll keep an eye on. And if you go to uh, uh, Studio 24 7, um, they'll have a way you can sign up and, and, and get updates on when that's going to happen. But of course, uh, my Instagram, it, uh, ITS Dave Law or It's Dave Law, mm-hmm. uh, I. I I keep I, I update regularly, and and any kind of new stuff I'm working on, I'm usually posting updates and and, and sneak peeks at stuff. Um, and and I love chatting with people if they uh, if they message me or have any questions through that. And that's probably that. And then there's my oh my website uh, davelawart.com. Um, and law is spelled just the way it sounds L A W. So davelawart.com. Awesome. Yeah. And, awesome. and I imagine you'll be posting your uh, Kickstarters once they're up there too. So um, yes. once those are live, I'm sure uh, follow Dave on IG and then you'll see that stuff there. Yeah. 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 yeah and then, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I try to make it easy for people. <laughs> yeah. I try to post stuff as many places as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Dave. So look, it was great having you on. I think Scott and I will just tackle a little bit of stuff afterwards on a separate call. But dude, thank you so much for joining us. We'd love to have you back soon. And uh, and we'll hit you up and get something going and then get you back on here. Yeah, yeah, that, that was awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. It was awesome. Hey, I'm Buzz Scott Lost. Well, I'm Buzzed Keith. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Why? You know, like this, this just shows, first of all, having Dave on was the shit. Like that was like the fastest chunk of time you know you you get cool guests that are fun to talk to on and the time just flies right um and then yeah. and then and, and and i took i took dave wanting whiskey at the halfway point as as like a challenge you know like i know i i know i just strike this high gravity beer but i don't give a shit let's go harder in the paint and so yeah i i went ahead and poured an ounce or two of bourbon into my diet coke and it was fantastic and I feel fantastic, Scott. <laughs> As you Here should. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. No, that that was a really fun episode. And, and exactly to your point, um, you know, we, we kind of have this, like, this little behind-the-scenes thing. We're working out our StreamYard situation. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we've been using Zoom. And unfortunately, Zoom has a 40-minute time limit if you don't have a subscription. Um, yeah. We don't have enough guests on here to, like, warrant having a subscription to this thing. So we're doing what we can. But um, yeah, yeah, so, you know, the first 40 minutes flew by. Like it felt, yeah. it literally felt like we were just starting and it said you have 10 minutes left. I was like, mm-hmm. how did that even happen? So, yeah. um, and then the next 40 minutes, of course, flew by as well. Yeah. And man, I had so many more questions for him on craft. So, uh, yeah. but the, hey, that just means we got to have him back. And like, right. that's not a chore. You know, he seems right. like someone that's, or he is someone that is very easy to talk to, especially when you're getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, making comics. It was great having Dave on. Um, we enjoyed that conversation. We hope you guys did too. And yeah, we're going to get him back on. So because we knew what the time constraint was, we just wanted to give Dave his shouts. But uh, why don't we do our shouts? Yeah. So go ahead, man. Shout out your socials and shout out your your stuff. Well, hey, do you oh, have we got Oh, any... we got to rate this shit. We got to rate shit. Yeah, we got to rate these beers. Um, yeah. So uh, Sirius Black... Um, the bottle has flown across the room. I accidentally knocked it over. Oh, I thought um, you're like you just chucked it in joy. You're like, that's, yeah. I'm drunk, 
And then you just threw shit against your own wall. I was like Thor in the first movie. Another! And I just <laughs> threw it up against the wall. Um, it was delicious uh, in the sense that I knew it was a lot of alcohol. <laughs> By delicious, I mean high ABV. <laughs> yes. I don't know that it was, um, you know, the best tasting. It wasn't the worst yeah. taste. Like, like, look, this is your realm. You know, the bourbon barrel stouts. This is Keith's world. So yeah. I'm very curious where you are on it. Um, I give it a seven. I give it a solid seven. But that's that's coming from someone where it's not their jam. So um, yeah. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. That's for sure. So, Gary, thank you for um, buying that four pack for Keith where I took one and uh, two that I have yeah. nice and chilled at, in my fridge. My, at my request. Yeah. Yes. Totally. And yeah. Uh, I said, yes, I, I will... I will listen to you and I will take two. <laughs> I'm not um, so stupid. Yeah. I, yeah. So I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a, a very high ABV, still not sure wh- how high, but uh, just by the flavor of it, um, it was like. Uh, yeah. To quote, to quote Method Man and Red Man, how, so high that I can kiss the sky. Yeah. Like it tastes like a stout. If you poured burning gasoline in it, I'm just kidding. No, that's that's crazy. But no, the the initial there was a burn, like like something you get when you're drinking hard liquor. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit of a burn when it initially started going down, but I yeah. did enjoy it. I finished the bottle, obviously, um, and it was a good time. So I give it a solid seven. I mean, I think your rating is a really interesting rating too, from the perspective of someone who it's not your jam. You know, so for you, you're saying, hey, this is pretty good. But, you know, you as a person who does not like the bourbon soaked or, yeah, the bourbon soaked um, stouts, you're not you're not giving it that unequivocal rating. So, you know, listeners out there that you want to try this kind of stuff, like keep that in mind. Right. Because odds are I will drink that thing and throw a nine at it pretty easy. Um, but we'll see how this goes. Right. I mean, you know, I, I come back to that Rasputin stout I had at Gary's. You know, I gave that like what a seven point nine five in a in a moment of uh, a rare you know Keith going into crazy decimals thing because that is not my jam. But people who like normal stouts, I, th- I think that might be like a nine or a ten to you. You know, that's a that's a gold standard as far as imperial stouts go. Anyway, so I I uh, I loved VSO Gravedigger, but I I tipped my hand at how much I would love that. I basically said it was a Kentucky bourbon barrel ale, just twice the strength you know almost right kentucky bourbon barrel is like eight percent and this bad boy was 14 and change so i loved it i gave it a nine um that was my second one of two and uh and i'm and i'm sad it's gone you know i'll have to go back to a uh something that that tastes like a kentucky bourbon barrel ale the og at half the uh, abv but yeah man that that packs a wallop and hey diet coke with bullet bourbon 14 a 14 out of 10. I was, especially when you follow a VSO Gravedigger bourbon barrel ale with it. I cannot recommend this experience enough. I almost followed your guys' lead, and um, I was going to grab some Glen Fittich 15. But I was mm. like, you know what? I got shit to do tomorrow. So <laughs> I was like, I'll just stick with this um, yes. random question mark number AVB bearable barrel burns bourbon stout easy for you to yeah. say so and, hey uh, there you're you're actually you should actually knock it up a notch just for how much you stumbled over that sentence and how nonsensical <laughs> it was <laughs> you all knew what i was talking about everybody knew
You can hit me up at uh, at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. And you can pick up my books at the Accident. No, I said the accidental aliens. It's accidentalaliens.com. You can get Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, or Wander Samilisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans at accidentalaliens.com. Yeah, and for me, you can find me at Keith underscore Invader. I am posting, you know, pictures of me, stuff about the podcast, stuff about all the books that I'm writing and working on as I'm getting cool art back from them. Did you say pictures of Mead? I didn't say pictures of Mead. But, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. Maybe maybe my next comic will be about Pictures of Mead, or maybe I'll work Pictures of Mead into a comic that I'm writing right now. That would be a really fun inside gag if I could get Pictures of Mead in that. So I kind of take that as a challenge. You know, Scott, randomly, there's this, um, I, I somehow followed him once. There is this Houston weatherman who accepts challenges from his listeners. Are you familiar with this guy or no? No, not at all. He, Dude, he accepts challengers from his listeners to work in as many, like, X things as possible. So one person put, like, Eminem, lose yourself. So the guy, like, accepts the challenge and then figures out a way. Because he's one of those weathermen that works, like, the 6 to 9 a.m. shift where they just keep popping on every 10, 15 minutes with, like, the weather. And so, like, the guy, like, will then stitch it together on Instagram and he drops, like, eight Eminem Lose Yourself references into the weather for that day. It is hilarious, <laughs> right? So I don't think it would take much sleuthing to get to this guy, but he is a hilarious follow on Instagram. And uh, so anyway, yeah. Hey, maybe you can hit us up at our email, which Scott will shout out in a second, and give us some challenges, and maybe we can work those into the episodes too. We're not we're not above that, especially once the uh, the ABVs get high. Making Comics Podcast at Gmail dot com. Yes, yes, but um, but yeah, in terms of my books, KeithRFoster dot com. You've got Kadoja, Giant Monsters Meet H.P. Lovecraft, Three Protectors, Kung Fu in Space, and Animals dot 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 want to kill you. And those books are all available at my website, KeithRFoster.com. Scott just shouted out the the uh, the email address that you can hit us up at. And, of course, you can also hit us up directly. You know, we get so many great comments from people, so many great things, be it email, be it Instagram, be it Facebook Messenger. You know, we're available at a lot of these places, and we're happy to talk to all you guys and, and get your comments. I love reading the comments from people. Um, about all those things and and speaking of comments comments has one two three four five six what's that seven letters seven letters in comments it sounds right right Mm -hmm. and and you know you know what like like it's like peanut butter and jelly like comments has seven letters and you know what goes well with the seven letter word five motherfucking stars that's what goes well with the seven letter word it washes it down it's the perfect diet coke and bourbon to the high beer that you just drank before. I don't even know what the fuck that means. I'm not making any sense right now. <laughs> but that's, see, me not making sense is part of the five-star motherfucking experience. So you know what to do. Go over to Apple Podcasts. Go over to Spotify. You throw five stars at your boys. You give us some words. That makes it so much better. I, I cannot say enough how much how much joy Scott and I get from someone not only leaving us five stars but also throwing some words and letting us know how um how the podcast is helping you out man we'd love to hear that stuff guys Quick time out yeah oh guys. go ahead yeah guys look I- i'm not cutting you off this time <laughs> look leave us the damn reviews okay 
<laughs> That's all I'm going to say to you. I know you guys got the time. Leave the reviews. You got Do the, it. You got the time. Throw, you got the throw, time. Throw love, yeah, throw love at your voice. Throw love at your voice. Remember, 10 billion listeners. 10 billion listeners. We're not, we're not going to stop until we get 10 billion reviews on iTunes. <laughs> 10 billion. That's the normally, number we're going for. Normally we end this with the Ice Cube AEA. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys with the P Diddy. Can't stop, won't stop. Eh, eh. Leave us a review. <laughs> See you next week. Yay yeah, yay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>